Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Like I said, it's so great to be with you. So thank you uh, to Dan and all the other pastors here. And look, I just would really want to encourage you um, to actually go see that Heidi Baker uh, video. I think you said next week, didn't you? Um, We had the uh, privilege of actually seeing it uh, last week. And uh, it's an incredible, uh, touching movie. And the Fendo actually means love. And when I walked in here, and I mentioned that to Alyssa when I walked in, you could actually feel the love of Jesus in this place. And uh, so I just want to encourage you guys, you're doing amazing things, I can tell that. And you've got an incredible missional heartbeat, which is just so incredible and important as we live out the hands and feet and salt and light for Jesus. And um, so it's just so good to be here. And one of the things I loved, I just started looking at your flags here. Um, I mean, Jesus tells us to go out into the whole world, but he actually places us here in our community to be the hands and feet for people around you. But there are just so many opportunities. And so look, what I plan to do today is to actually uh, give you a a bit of a, um, uh, I guess, an overview of what Baptist World Aid does. And we all love testimonies, don't we? So I'm going to share a couple of little stories as well. And then we're going to put some scripture in there and look at it through a theological lens as far as, uh, you know, what does it mean to do justice and mercy? But I want to start off, we're going to experiment. I've just introduced um, a PowerPoint sort of process here. Apparently you don't normally use it. Uh, But I want to thank the young lady up the back who was incredibly helpful. And... um, But look, I just want us to reflect on a couple of things. And one of those things is that we've been in incredible tough times of recent. And uh, the world has changed since COVID came along, hasn't it? It's really, really changed. It's actually turned the world upside down. Um, And quite frankly, here in Australia, it's been rather comfortable for quite some time, but suddenly we're facing some incredible changes. And when I get put... Sorry, when I get up and talk, I love to actually get you to just to reflect on God's goodness and what God actually did from the beginning. He created the heavens and the earth. And I just want to read these two verses here. First of all, a Psalm of David, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. And I was reminded when I went up to preach up at Mount Isa about, oh, I don't know, four months ago. And you probably know if you go out into the bush, um, it's an incredible experience because there's no lights. And just to see the glory of God and just to be reminded of His goodness and His creation. And just to remind us of what our purpose is. When I was a young kid, I grew up with this verse, which was Ecclesiastes 3.11. And it says this, um, that He has made everything beautiful in its time. But he's also placed eternity in the hearts of man and yet no one can fathom what God is doing from beginning to end. I just want to uh, repeat that. No one can fathom what God is doing from beginning to end and we are part of that plan. The beginning of the verse says he's made everything beautiful, which includes us. Includes your neighbour next door, includes everybody in this nation and everybody around the world. Yeah, we'll see if with this, there we go. We're clicking on really well here, I love it. 
Here at Baptist World Aid, um, our focus is predominantly, obviously, on the poor. It's ending the cycle of poverty, but we have a very strong emphasis on women and children around the world. And you see, they all have a story to tell. And in Matthew's Gospel, we are working here, I hope. It's a bit slow. There we go. In Matthew's Gospel, we read this. Jesus proclaims, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you actually invited me in. Now here Jesus actually links the feeding, the hungry, to actually ministering to himself, caring for the vulnerable, for the hungry. Hungry people is not only following Jesus, uh, sorry, uh, um, for caring for the vulnerable hungry people is not only just following Jesus, but it's akin to actually caring for Jesus. Now, does anybody watch SBS News here? A couple of little hands go up. It's a great time to go shopping down at Aldi around about 6.30 because it's empty because if you're over 55, apparently you'll watch SBS News. Now... They had a little caption between 2013 and 2016 that simply said this, that there were 7.3 billion stories to be told. Now, of course, they were referring to the population of the planet at the time. Now, does anybody know what actually happened this week on Wednesday? We hit the 8 billion mark. Some lucky child somewhere around the world was the 8th billionth child to be born here on this incredible planet. So I mention that because Jesus cares for every one of them and every single one of them actually has a story. And this morning I'll share a couple of stories about uh, Judy in Kenya. And I've been into Kenya to visit my, uh, sorry, to visit my sponsored children and it was a life-changing experience. And so we'll hear from uh, a bit about Judy in a moment. And we'll talk also a little bit later about Miriam in Cambodia and what the programs do to help her. But in Isaiah 43, 19, we read this. It says, Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and in the deserts. And I mentioned that verse because God, as I've already mentioned, is constantly doing a thing, sorry, doing a new thing, doing amazing things. When we see so much turmoil, when we see so much pain, God is at work. And I often use the term that God is a God of the messy. I mean, who likes mess? Anybody going to put their hand up? All right. But where there's mess, there's restoration, there's hope can be given, lies can be changed. Why do you think Jesus spent the time with the sinners, those that were in crisis, or those that were sick, or those that were suffering from poverty or needed a meal? At Baptist World Aid, hang on, we'll go back. I jumped a little bit here ahead. Um, I just want to, through the generosity of Australians, we impacted over a million people around the globe last year. And I'll go into a little bit of our work just in a moment of what we do. But just to give you an idea of the gravity of what's going on at the moment is that there, and now these figures are actually about 18 months old. We're actually waiting for an update from the World Health Organisation. And we believe that they're actually about three times to what I'm going to tell you here. As I said, God is doing a, um, 
new thing all the time, but it is estimated at least 150, but we think it would be more like the 450,000 to a half a million people have been pushed into extreme poverty since COVID hit. Now, we're only talking about two and a half years that COVID's been around. Now, you might find this hard to believe, but the cycle of poverty around the world was actually being broken before COVID hit, percentage-wise. There is also estimated to be over 3 billion people who do not still have reliable drinking water or have soap, just to do the simple things like wash their hands, things that we here in Australia take for granted every single day. And one of the things I'll speak into in a little moment is that here in Australia, we may not be fully aware, but there is over 823 million people as we speak, and we say it's going to go into the 1 billion mark just in January, who actually don't have enough food to eat. There's a major hunger crisis going on across the globe. I mean, we panic when we can't get toilet paper or bread on our shelves. But there's a billion people nearly that may have only one meal a day or sometimes it's once every three or four days. The Horn of Africa in particular is in major crisis, haven't had any rain since 2019. And there are many other countries like that. But I want to tell you a good story, hey? What do you think? I'm going to put up this young lady here, Judy. Now, Judy is um, only 34 years of age. Judy has four children and farms her one-and-a-half-acre property in Kenya. She grows maize, green grams and beans for household consumption and surplus is actually for sale. She's also been taught how to practise poultry and goats for extra income. Right, fairly simple things that you would probably think that Judy and her family and her generations have always done. Before Judy entered into a Baptist World Aid project, however, she struggled to feed her children, often going without food and clean water supply for days. Now, when you go to Africa, it's not unusual. I've been there many times. And you see them carrying the great big yellow 20-litre containers on their shoulders. And sometimes it's mainly, well, not sometimes, most of the times it's children and women who you see doing that, just people like Judy. And sometimes they'll walk literally 12 hours one way to fill up uh, this container and walk it back another 12 hours or 14 hours because of the weight back to their family. And this sometimes can be a daily or a, um, uh, a cycle that's repeated every two or three days. But Judy said this, my life and that of my family was in great despair, Judy recalls. I could always cry alone, praying to God and asking him to help my family. I can now say thank you to God for he has answered my prayers. And there's testimonies like that that we report back on all the time. But the answer actually came through the wonderful work of our Christian partners in Kenya who became, uh, sorry, because of community-based development project approach, um, which was um, coinciding with our work with Christian partners, we created agricultural training workshops and much more. She said that she realised that she could now harvest enough crops for both household consumption and surplus for sale. 
She was taught soil management to boost the fertility of the farm and established terraces to conserve water. They're things you might take for granted, but over there they're moving around a lot as well. And quite often they haven't been taught those uh, skills to better improve their crops. I love this little picture here that Judy just wants to show us all something, and that is simply this. We also, through the program, set up microfinancing in the local villages, and that's something we empower them to do. Um, and through that, she bought solar power so that she could have light, so that her kids could actually do their homework at night. Now, again, another little thing we take for granted. But I remember very clearly when I was in Kampala on one of my trips that you'd walk into the city and you would see the young youth crowded around lampposts at night so that they could try and do their work. Pop up this one here. What's this one here say? Oh, it says thank you. <laughs> but I know Judy actually wants to say thank you, not only to her partners and Baptist World Aid, but more than anything to the generosity of Australians. But I want to just share a few things about Baptist World Aid so you get who we are. Um, a lot of people, when they think of us, they think that we are an aid organisation that might just do child sponsorship. And I'll speak a little bit into that in a moment as to how that actually functions and works. But <clears throat> we actually, at the moment, we're working in, uh, I popped it up there, you might see, uh, roughly 73 projects in 18 different countries and working with international Christian partners around the world. A lot of people may not even realise we are the largest Baptist international aid organisation in the world. That's a pretty cool thing to uh, have to be uh, accredited with. And I'd just like to also make a, a, a small little point with Baptist World Aid that we actually were awarded um, second best practice, sorry, second best practices as an NGO organisation for community development and child sponsorship by the Australian government only about two months ago. So that's a big thing to have. And um, so we're fully accredited um, as an NGO organisation. But just a couple of other things. We work on the borders with uh, the refugee crises, especially down at Myanmar. Um, we also, <clears throat> in Lebanon, we've got some very big programs over there. And also Afghanistan. And keep praying for Afghanistan because there's some incredible challenges that any aid organisation has, just from a security point of view, and the same with Myanmar, but Afghanistan, it's sort of getting out of control again. Some of the other work we do, um, and it's really cool to mention, is the ethical fashion guide and advocacy work here in Australia. We actually challenge organisations uh, to follow proper practice when it comes to retail, right down to wholesale, right down to planting seeds on the field, that people will get equal pay, that it will be fair conditions, that they'll be fed and so on. And we've had some incredible results with that. And um, we've got little ethical fashion guys. The latest one just came out only two weeks ago or three weeks ago. And we'd really encourage, um, actually, believe it or not, this is an incredible tool. School kids around Australia know more about this really than I do. Um, it's incredible what they do. They study it. And so the young generation that is actually coming in are very conscious about this process, having voice, advocating for those that actually can't speak for themselves. And um, 
We're also doing environmental care as well, and that's all tied up with his ethic, sorry, ethical fashion report. So it's worthwhile having another little chat about that later if you wish to outside. Um, but I might just move on, and there's many things we do that... Um, there's many things that we do that we can talk about out at the table later. Uh, oh, look, I will just mention one thing, and I know that a lot of churches gave to the Ukraine appeal. So we do disaster relief. And disaster relief covers all sorts of things, and it's basically anything from um, uh, what happened in Tonga with the volcano that erupted right down to an earthquake, right down to COVID relief, and right down to war comes under uh, the banner of disaster relief. And with disaster relief in Ukraine, I just thought I'd mention, because I know there's some people that gave to the Ukraine appeal through this church, and we want to say thank you so much for that. But you know, may not be aware, but Ukraine has the second largest number of Baptist churches in the world. I had no idea until this all came out. Um, and it's also got the largest seminaries and theological colleges in the world. And so we need to keep praying for that nation. There's so much trauma, so many things that have happened, and there's been so many miracle stories, but um, we're actually working directly with, you, with the Ukraine uh, Theological Baptist College over there, and 60% of the funds that we're actually getting donated through Australia are actually getting distributed straight into the Ukraine Baptist Union to actually assist and help the churches direct. Now, you may not be aware, but... 2,200 odd churches there, there's already been over 400 completely destroyed. So we need to keep lifting up our, our pastors over there and our communities over there in prayer. And the remainder of the money is actually going directly uh, onto the border, places like Poland. Um, and the sad reality about when uh, a tragedy like this happens, um, the bad guys, if I can use the words bad guys, um, those that uh, push people into prostitution, um, child um, uh, sex industry and the slave industry, they're normally on the borders before the aid agencies can actually get there. So we need to continue. So we work uh, very closely with our partners to actually help there. But I just want to actually now um, speak a little bit into Micah 6.8 and... Um, we some theological thread in here as to what does justice and mercy mean. And I just love this verse. It's, it's, it's Micah 6, 8, where it says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? And I just love it because they're so simple. There's three very simple steps. It is to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Now, to walk humbly with your God... Um, what does it mean? It's the basis, actually, for loving mercy. It's the basis for doing justice. And it's because of what God has done, we actually fully invest in healing the world around us. And we do that through mercy and justice. When we cultivate our walk with God, and I'm talking about on a daily basis, an hourly basis, a minute-by-minute minute basis, when we cultivate that, it provides us the power and the passion for us to fully engage. And it actually grounds us in everything that we do as Christians, as those that love Jesus. Loving mercy, right, is, or in some translations, the word mercy is actually kindness, right? Right? 
um, it actually, what that actually means is to have the compassion for those in need. Now, this is not always easy to do and it's why I started off a little bit about what I uh, started with about trying to see the, the big picture. We've been in COVID and, you know, we can get down here in Australia. We can get hard in the hearts because of all the sadness we see around us. But like I said, God is actually working. God is working constantly. But we see it on our street corners. We're bombarded with it in the media. And it can sometimes mess with our mind. And this is where we need to allow the Holy Spirit to also reveal and take charge, to invade. Now, what does doing justice mean? Some of you might have turned on the television this week and saw a a judge actually hand out uh, some form of punishment for some sort of crime that had been paid. And we might get, that's the picture of justice. And maybe we don't think we have to have to actually do justice ourselves. You might be sitting here thinking today, well, what does justice really look like in my life and do I do it, do I need to? But if you look up the simple dictionary definition of justice, it actually simply means this. It means doing right by your fellow man. So if we're walking humbly with our God, if we're showing mercy, justice comes easy. Now, I'm a big mission guy, I can tell you that. And like I said, your responsibility, God's placed you in this church, in this community, and we've got so much need outside all the time. And I just want to encourage you so much to, you know, continue to love your neighbour as you love yourself. So important. And there's so many opportunities even in our nation, like when it comes to the work we do in advocacy to get involved with us, to write to politicians, to change some of the rules or laws or legislation to actually free up, maybe it might be um, with some of the refugees or might be other local issues that you need to get involved with. That's just doing justice. Or it might be picking up a sponsorship or a project overseas, whatever exactly what we heard this morning, God will place on your heart exactly where he wants you to walk and pray with your finances and with your prayer. It's, here we go. But I just want to finish with really two stories and watch the time very, very carefully. And I really want you to join Marie and myself out at the table after just to ask things or um, whatever it is. But I want to just talk about how a community development project actually works and child sponsorship. I've been sponsoring children now. I don't look that old, but about 41 years. And um, I've had multiple children from all over the world. And I don't know what it was that got me involved at the beginning. I don't know why I sponsored my first child, but I'm so glad I got on that journey. And that journey actually brought me into the lives of other children and their families. That journey actually took me into places in Uganda and Kenya and other places around the world where I could actually meet and see the work and see the difference and see the change in these kids' lives. And I'll never forget the first time I talked about seeing the love of Jesus here, right? I remember the first time I went into Uganda and I met two of my children who live very closely to Lake Victoria over there. And it was the most humbling beautiful moment to see the love of Jesus all over their face. 
and to see the transformation that the programs that we had actually did, uh, brought into their villages or communities had, profound, uh, had made a profound difference. And there was that ripple effect and that breaking of uh, the poverty of cycle. And yet they had nothing and I had everything and it was just such a, a beautiful moment to um, see how God works and what he taught me. But I want you to meet this lady, Miriam. Um, full-time Baptist World Aid. I've only been working for them just, just under three, time, uh, sorry, three years um, in a full-time basis. Uh, I didn't mention I was a pastor at River Life before that for about seven, eight years. And uh, so I managed to sneak in, uh, sorry, uh, uh, sneak in a little chip to, sorry, trip to Cambodia just before the country shut down with uh, COVID. And I want you to meet this lady, this one behind me. Her name is Miriam. Um, and she had two children that were actually sponsored uh, with Baptist World Aid. And I tell this story just to give you an idea of the bigger picture because when you sponsor a child with Baptist World Aid, you're actually not just sponsoring the child. You're actually contributing to the full community de um, development project. And they go on a nine-year cycle. And Miriam's got two children that were sponsored and it costs $48 a month to actually sponsor a child. But this is how it actually works. Um, Miriam, um, well, no, I'll get to Miriam in a moment. When you sponsor a child, they go into what we call kids' clubs. And these kids' clubs are, pl are plugged into a local evangelical church with the same theological values as to what we believe. And they actually basically run the program for us in conjunction with working with our other Christian partners on the ground. So the church will teach them the normal things that we would teach our children in Sunday school. But in these clubs, we go one step further. These, these children are actually also taught leadership skills and we place a huge emphasis on that because we see these children as the future leaders of their village in a nine-year cycle. So nine years from when we start it, we hope to see these children leading as uh, responsible people in their community. We teach them agricultural skills, hygiene and so on it goes, even how to banking systems, they get the whole thing with the gospel and come out as incredible leaders. And often they end up leading villages next door as well. Um, but I want you to hear Miriam's story because her two children, as I mentioned, has been sponsored by us, uh, sorry, by people here in Australia. But Miriam is also on the program through that sponsorship in the community. So when we sponsor a child, every single child is sponsored from day one. You might ask, how is that done if we're still sponsoring them on a table outside? We have what we call a vulnerable children's fund so that we make sure that everybody starts together and is sort of propped up by extra funds so that no child misses out. Very important point. Okay. Now... Um, then the next thing is we teach the same skills to the parents as we teach the children. And as predominantly the women again, because in these, um, in most villages in the third world country, you'll find that the men are out looking work and, uh, sorry, for work, and you'll find they're fairly transient. And you'll also find that the women carry everything. And that's why we target the likes of Miriam. But Miriam wanted to show me, first of all, the very top, left-hand corner picture there, her house. Now, um, I had the privilege of living in a very nice suburb, Brookfield, for some years. And my kid's cubby house that we built in the backyard for my three kids was probably better than what I saw Miriam and her children living in. 
all right? But she took it for granted. I was trying to work how to get my cubby house over there at one point. But it doesn't work that way. But what she wanted to do next was she wanted me to show her her veggie garden. And it's a bit like the Judy story in Africa where um, she was taught how to extend, expand her crops, how she was taught to make the ground more fertile and managed to have better water treatment to water her crops and then taught how to actually set up business properly and how to bank and create this micro banking system that the others in the village could tap into. Now from that, she actually then went to... um, doing the old buying the chickens, you know. Uh, we, we purposely focus in a third world country situation, these projects, with uh, chickens, goats and pigs. Why? Because they produce very quickly. And on the little stand out there we have today, we have what we also call uh, big-hearted gifts. We could buy a pig or a goat or you could buy some soap or something. Instead of a Christmas present, you can buy a card and give it to somebody as a gift. And those projects or these projects go directly into this as well. But what happened with her is she got the pigs, all right, that then turned into... Uh, there's a pig up there, sorry, uh, chickens to pigs, I should say. And the average pig can give as many as 20 uh, piglets in one go. So it works out very well. Um, And then from there, she bought a cow. Now, if you own a cow in Cambodia, all right, you're doing pretty well. But Miriam was so pleased to show me in that pen just behind her on the bottom left here, uh, she had 10 cows in there. All right, now this is in the... Uh, last year of the nine-year cycle. So this is at the end of the project. But she didn't actually just have 10. There's 10 left there. She'd already sold five so that she could buy enough timber to build a new house. And this was just through very simple process that we take for granted here in Australia, but it was through the support of Australian people buying gift cards, sponsoring children. And at the end of the nine-year cycle, the children actually graduate. They actually graduate and they're empowered and they get their certificates and there's a big ceremony. And some people say, well, why do you stop at the end of nine years? We know and we believe through testing that nine years is the time it actually takes. And if you keep doing it, it's not going to help them. So we empower them to take that next step so we can move into the next community and so on and so forth. Um, So how can you actually support us? The first thing that I would actually like to say to you is pray. You know, we don't worry about finances. Yeah, we love finances, but we don't worry about it because we know when we pray, God answers. And God's been incredible and so have the people around Australia over the last couple of years. So we want to thank you for that. But there's a couple of different things that obviously I'd like to encourage you to consider. And one would be um, obviously child sponsorship. Um, child sponsorship through the journey of COVID has actually suffered because normally we do it face-to-face in churches like I am today. Um, But there's a big lag because uh, there's nearly a year and a half or so we couldn't get into churches. So I'd very much encourage you to come and speak to myself today and we could talk about that if you wish. But there's a couple of things. Um, Obviously, there's a Ukraine appeal and I'm going to talk in a little moment about the latest appeal that we're doing for Christmas. Um, But we have another little tool and it's called Better World. Oh, hang on. I'll go back to the crisis first. Hang on, that's not going to go. Yes, it is. Look, I will talk about that because the slide came up first. 
I didn't read my notes. But I placed on your seat at the moment just a little giving uh, uh, tear-off slip there. Um, it's something that I just want you to take home and pray about it and think about it. If you wish to contribute, there's a little QR code scan there, or you could fill it out today on the back and just hand it to me if you want to donate. Everything with Baptist World Aid is 100% tax tax deductible as well. But it's like I mentioned, there's 100 billion people that we believe very much um, are going maybe one meal every three or four days. So that's something to consider. But we have another little tool that um, when I bring it up, it's called Better World Ambassadors. And there's a little bookmark I can give you outside. But to be a Better World Ambassador, it is a giving tool, a minimum of $2 every month that we ask you to actually give. Um, but it's a tool where we believe that we can actually better inform you on everything that we do. So the money that you give, we can tell you exactly where it goes. But the other thing is we see our job at Baptist World Aid is not just doing this charitable community work, development work overseas. We believe as Christians and as Baptists and as an organisation that we better equip you. So we send you Bible studies for Bible study groups. We give you daily devotions if you wish to have daily devotions. And they're all tied into um, global issues, theological lenses, looking at what does the Bible say? What does God say about supporting the widow? What does uh, about the hungry? And how can you get involved? So it's a really, really great way. Um, and it's also we use it to connect like-minded people in regional areas around Australia when there's a major advocacy issue that we can get you all together to actually work on. So it's actively getting you as Christians involved with other like-minded people. Um, but I, let's see if this works, but I just want to end with a personal story. And this one means, I think it sums up what we need to be doing as Christians. And I've just lost my lights. I turned off. I turned a page too quick. Um, I just think sometimes we as Christians in our own community find it really hard to know what to do or think we're not doing enough. We think everything around us is a little bit too enormous. But I just want to encourage you that no matter what you do, if we're seeking if we're doing justice, if we're walking with our God, if we're showing mercy, it's those little things that sometimes you think are insignificant that can actually change the world in different ways. And like I said at the beginning, God is a God of the messy. But at the same time, we're here to do His work, to be His hands and feet, to uh, shine His light. So I just want you to read this passage along here with me right now and I'll just explain why I'm using this one. It says here in John's Gospel, my food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Right? They are ripe for harvest. And I don't know if you see fields around you now that are ripe, but they, they are out there everywhere. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and halves the crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad. So notice there's two different people there. It's not just one. The sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one soaps and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work 
and you have reaped the benefits of their labour. And I love this because I'm a big missional man or big missionary man and um, I just love the way how God works with so many different missional, like-minded missional organisations in the world for His kingdom. And I tell you this verse and I want to just finish with this few-minute story and what it's about is that um, my father was actually born in China and to... um, some missionaries. My grandparents were missionaries. Grandfather came out from Birmingham in England. My grandmother came out actually from um, San Francisco. They met in China, China Inland Mission, got married in Kunming in the south of China, went into the uh, west and served up in a little town called Dali. Now that was 90 years ago. But they got chased out by the communists back in 1937. They met in 1927. And I remember as a young guy, my grandfather actually weeping because he could not finish the work that God, or he thought that God had set him out to do. Don't know if you heard of the Moravian movement, but the Moravians were missionaries, um, incredible prayer meetings, by the way. You should go and Google. I think the last one went for 100 years, didn't it, Dan? Yeah, just 100 years, right? But the Moravians would actually pack their coffin all right, and then put it on the top of the steamship or the Cobb & Co because they believed it was a one-way trip, that God had called them for a lifetime journey to actually minister to those who did not know the Gospel. And that was my grandparents. But the thing is, they had to flee. They had to leave. They couldn't go back. And I remember my grandfather crying because he could not fulfil what he thought that God wanted him to do. He couldn't go back. 90 years later, I get the honour and the privilege through some absolutely incredible God uh, miracles to get back and go into this town in Dali, to the original Bible school that my grandparents actually were ministering to and the church was still there and they were still operating the same way. They were ministering to 56 um, minority groups, um, um, the Lisu people from Tibet that were coming down. They're hearing about the love of Jesus, falling in love with Jesus, giving their hearts to the Lord and going back out. It still happens in China, it really does. But the thing is, what, what, what got me the most, and this is why I'm ending with this when it comes to our heart and our mission, is that I met with this beautiful Christian guy who looked after the province. Uh, he was a, a trained theological pastor. He was sussing me out. He wasn't quite sure who I really was. But I was sharing some of the stories. I had my grandfather's little red diary, his little red book. Not that red book, but his diary was red. And in that diary actually was the journey he was talking about on foot, walking 600 miles from Kunming into Dali through Gorges raging rivers, mountainous areas that they had to scale, right, to bring these people the gospel of Jesus. And I also told him how devastated he was that um, he couldn't go back, that he started planting seeds. Actually, he was watering some of the seeds from other missionaries that had been before him. But he didn't see the harvest that he thought he was going to see. And then I'm looking at this guy and through the interpreter, I thought, oh my goodness, what's going on? He's sitting there in this little tea house in this picturesque spot in this old ancient town and he had tears just pouring down his face. And through uh, a beautiful Christian interpreter friend of mine, Joey, Joey Yang, 
Joey said these words. He just wants you to know, this pastor wants you to know, it's because of your grandparents that there are now millions and millions and millions of Chinese who love the Lord Jesus Christ today in China. It, it hit me like a ton of brick, but I want to, because you're doing missions this month, and I just want to remind you, it's those little things that you do could have incredible eternal rewards. I just wish my grandfather was alive to hear what I heard. All right. So I just want to encourage you all, please come and see Marie and myself at the end. But I'd just like to just finish in prayer before we hand over the team. And just thank God for what He is doing. So just pray with me. Father God, we just want to thank You. What an amazing, awesome, incredible God You are. And that You work in so many spaces that we can't even comprehend. And Lord, I just pray for um, those fellow brothers and sisters here today. Lord, you love them. They're, they're part of that uh, eight billion number where each one of us are uniquely made and designed for an incredible part. And you look at each person the same way. And you just love and you just want to pour out giftings on us. Your love is so great. And so, Lord, I just pray that uh, that everyone here today will be encouraged that what they do is important for the kingdom of God. That we will just step out in faith, that we will just hear your voice as to where you want us to give or where you, you want us to pray or how we are to treat our neighbour next door. Just give us wisdom. So Lord, I just want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for its heart and I want to thank you for what they're doing. We pray a blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.